In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. On another entry of the Animation Deliberation Podcast... Our heart rate has finally settled down. We hope yours has as well. We're talking My Hero Academia right after that, so we have no control over. In business, you rarely hear the expression for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 weight loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 weight loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. Sing along if you know the words. A one, two, three, it's time for animation deliberation. A conversation and a celebration of our favorite action animated series. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome back to another episode of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, where we take action animation seriously, but not too seriously. We are your hosts. I am Zuhair Ali. My name is Jay Scotty St. Clair. And I am Andrew Rogers. And on this Sunday edition of the Animation Deliberation Podcast, we are revisiting our wonderful one-two punch of the trauma of My Hero Academia and just the joys of Spy Family. It's been another roller coaster of a Saturday. I'm glad we get both of those at the same time. Quick bit of news. Well, news for us. Apparently three weeks ago, Mox Machina dropped their season two trailer. They have a release date of January 2023. And we know a lot of you listeners have been asking us to do that, so this is a great time for us to finally do a rewatch, do a Season 1 review, leading into Season th- 2. We hope you guys will join us for the adventures. How do you guys feel about that show coming out? Uh, yeah, I'm reasonably excited for it. We were talking off-air. I still have not completed Season 1, but what I've seen in the first couple of episodes I really enjoyed. And uh, I think the timing, it coming out in January, I think we're supposed to get that live-action Dungeons & Dragons film uh, oh, Honor yeah. Among Thieves yes. is supposed to be in March, so I think the synergy will be there. Um, and I just want to tell the listeners, you know, we've been promising to cover this series for a long time. We haven't forgotten. There's just a lot of content out there. And, uh, you know, we live in a in an era of instant gratification. Maybe sometimes it's okay to get some delayed gratification. <laughs> so uh, 
no, no excuses there. Uh, we will, uh, we'll, we'll likely do a primer uh, of season one before season two comes around. So yeah, I'm excited for it. How about you, Andrew? Yeah, I'm just as excited. I need something else to scratch my D&D itch, especially going into next year with that movie. So yeah, it's it's going to be fun. And the first season was really good. And I'm just excited to see what other story they have to tell. They don't have a specific direction they need to go. And I think I love that because it has that like, they'll figure it out as it happens, just like an actual D&D campaign. So yeah, no, it's going to be a really good time. I'm just a little surprised that we're getting this so soon after the first season ended like it seems like amazon prime put this at the top of their list and that kind of makes me excited because it feels like that means they have a lot in store for us any direction that they take us down is going to be an exciting one with that cast and those writers and just the pure joy and wonderful animation wonderful comedy wonderful action out of the show we are excited for it and even though we are always on content overload that is one that we are excited to deliver to you the listeners so let us know if you're excited about that. We want to hear all of your feedback about season one, which we're looking forward to about season two. And we're looking forward to talking to you about it. Moving on to our and a minute. As we mentioned, we have overload, but thankfully it's a Sunday. So we only got one show to talk about. And all the three of us have something to say. So spy family season one, episode 17, carry out the Griffin plan. Who wants to kick it off? I nominate Andrew to go first this week because he hasn't gone first yet. Yeah, uh, I will happily kick this one off. I was getting my timer out all ready to go. So. Yeah, this was just another weirdly irreverent episode. Seeing Anya at the forefront is always going to be fun. I want every episode to be uh, recapped by Anya from now on, though, because that was the hands down best part. (laughs) Hearing her perspective of how the world is going to end was just so beautiful, so much fun. We're getting into kind of the nitty gritty of these characters. I hope this means we're going to get a more your focused episode at some point, how she's going to be carrying it out. And then still at the end, they had all of those serious notes about the handler, about what is happening and left us on this weird cliffhanger of coded language, I'm assuming. So it's just there's still so many questions. There's so much fun happening. But I love that we can have such a silly character like Anya and have this episode be about her and me not be annoyed. I think it's a beautiful testament to how you can do a young, silly character still in a very good light. And I'll end my minute there to leave you guys some stuff to talk about. Cool. Do you want to go first? Uh, I defer to you, Zuhair. Go for it. I've no, not gone first or second. Yeah, so. We should really plan this. Yeah, I don't point. have too much to say about this episode, except for that it's just a fun one. Um, you know, having Anya in the forefront, as you said the the joys of watching them work on a project together and how Desmond was just furious at any attempt of her helping. The fact that he won top prize and the way that they interpreted the artwork and everything was just fantastic. And as artists, we can just attest to how ridiculous and how amazing everything about that was. Yeah, just another joyful episode. Lots of good fun. You know, nothing too pressing aside from kind of the questions. It does kind of make me wonder about if we do have a future episode about where this family has to break up. Like we see how Anya's bonding with Desmond and this big relationship that she has with her parents. Now her best friend is trying to steal her dad and break them apart too. <laughs> Lots of uh, drama on the forefront and we're here for it. All right. Well, uh, for my part, yeah, I agree. This was a very silly episode. I love Anya it- no matter how many times they do the joke where she's like scheming and her eyes narrow. And then when her <laughs> scheme doesn't come to fruition, it's just like shock. Gah! 
Like, <laughs> it gets me every single time. But um, I will say, you know, the moment was uh, the episode was not without its like heartfelt moments as well. Um, learning a little bit more about Desmond and wanting to be accepted by his father, the conversation with the butler on the phone, knowing that his butler lied to him to kind of try and save his um, emotions from this rejection that he's facing from his father. Uh, but then on the other side of things with Handler, that was a very brief part of the episode, but it's nice to learn a little bit more about her. Um, you know, in previous weeks, she provided some of the darkest moments, but I think she's alluded to the fact that she had a daughter that passed away. And I'm not exactly sure uh, what's going on with her not understanding Twilight's coded language, but it kind of seems like maybe she has a terminal illness. I'm waiting for more to be revealed there. And that's my minute. And quick things that I want to add. Um, the Anya eyes and the gong is <laughs> gifts that I use very often. And it makes me sad how many people just haven't started watching the show yet. But it is very satisfying for me. Yeah. <laughs> and also I noticed in the in the credits that Mappa is actually credited in this. And from oh. an attempt at a deep dive, apparently they just outsource some of the editing. Oh, okay. the production and i think they actually did the whole uh closing sequence too and then there was this article that i didn't get to go through but it actually had like um this this breakdown of how these studios use other big studios for uh just kind of production management and stuff like that it's pretty cool nice. well, i will say the opener and closer for this back half of the first season is stunning like yeah. they're just both so beautiful but in general this show has no business being as beautiful as it is. Like the mm. animation could be pure cartoony and it would still work because it's a comedy, but instead they have some of the top tier animators. It feels like doing all of this and it looks great and I love it, but like it doesn't need to be. And it is. Oh, we're here for it. We wouldn't oh, want you to start complaining sure. about it like you do for Naruto. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will say I still miss that song from the the first half of the season's yeah. closing. That was such a catchy song. Yeah, yeah, it's still on my playlist. Love <laughs> that one. All right, all right. Anything else you guys want to add? Uh, I won't take a minute to talk about them, but I will just let uh, the listeners know I have finished Fire Force season two. Uh, really enjoyed it. Looking forward to the future of that. I believe a third season has been confirmed. Not exactly sure when that's coming, but looking forward to it. And uh, I did start Chainsaw Man. I've seen the first two episodes of Chainsaw Man and uh, definitely digging it. <laughs> now he understands all of our references. Listeners. I do. I do. <laughs> all right. So we got all of that for you. We got much more. We got another episode coming for you this week. We're going to be talking about Tales of the Jedi. Uh, so we were going to be having a couple more animated for Chainsaw Man Episode 4, Bleach Episode 4, and whatever else I'm missing at the top of my head. So anything that you guys want to hear about, make sure you write into us, any feedback, anything you feel like you need to get off your chest, this is the podcast for it. But speaking of chess, oh my god, was my heart beating out of mind watching this my hero academia episode i swear for a good 10 minutes of it i stopped breathing i was teary-eyed with how intense it is uh scoots give us a synopsis so we can talk about this traumatizing episode all right sounds good so we are discussing my hero academia season six episode five the thrill of destruction tokiyami arrives just in time to save hawks before dobby can kill him the villain attempts to corner the bird heroes, but Tokiyami is able to take advantage of Dobby's monologuing to evade the fire 
and use the escalating fighting between the heroes and Paranormal Liberation Front to escape with the unconscious Hawks. Meanwhile, at the hospital, Shigaraki kills Exless, steals his cape, and unleashes his decay. The resulting effect proceeds to consume the entire hospital, forcing the heroes to desperately flee. In the chaos, Crust ends up sacrificing himself to save Eraserhead. In the city, Deku receives a warning from the first user of One for All of Shigaraki's awakening as the decay begins to spread through the city and toward the evacuating team. Each attempt to stop the wave fails, forcing them to carry the civilians away to avoid their deaths. In the remaining crater of the hospital left behind, Shigaraki discovers nearly all the ruined, quirk-destroying bullets Garaki was creating, which was destroyed by Exless before his death. A voice starts to speak in his head as he uses a communicator to summon Gigantomachia to him, declaring it is, it is time to destroy everything. Chills, Ooh. dude. Chills. <laughs> um, starting off with the first part of that synopsis, we talk about our fascination with how many superpowers that they come up with this show. And you think that we have this cliche of supervillains just giving their monologues because they can. The fact that it actually was an opportunity to buy time and using that to their advantage with Hawks as kind of like last breath before passing out. Genius mm. stuff. I love the genius of the show. And I'm glad that it's you know just it comes back all the time. Like every one of these powers has flaws and the fact that it's part of this very physical chess game is just super cool. Yeah, I recall when we recorded last week and we're talking about last week's episode, you said if certain revelations were going to happen, you would start the episode by saying, I called it, I called it. <laughs> um, and it's it's not those revelations, but I totally called the the parallels between Tokiami's, uh, you know, weakness to fire with Dark Shadow. Mm -hmm. So I was, I was pretty satisfied to see that. But um, also just like the palpable emotion there when Dobby tells... Tokiami that hey this guy that you look up to and worship he killed twice over here he stabbed him in the back while he was trying to help his friends so like your heroes do more despicable things than a guy like me does and mm -hmm. while when Tokiami is carrying Hawk's unconscious body and the tears start to well up in his eyes and he's like I don't I don't believe him we all believe in you so you have to stay alive and make it through this like uh that was just I'm I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it because Tokiami has been such a stoic kind of like a stanchion of like not losing his cool or anything like that. So to see that display of emotion from him and, you know, even him like going against uh fat gum and kind of disobeying, like that's kind of out of character for him. But so to see him so motivated by emotion was uh really resonated with me. Yeah. He knows how to revel in the darkness. Um, but yeah, <laughs> with the intensity, you know, we talked about last week about just kind of like having that silly moment. And again, we needed that with, you know, Fatcom trying to press him like back into his stomach. <laughs> you know, that's the only little bit of relief that we get at the beginning because the rest of it is just traumatizing. Mm. Yeah. You can't steal a ride on the fat taxi. <laughs> <laughs> just running away. But yeah, it was it was crazy. And. I love the fact that, you know, we did talk about how there was this parallel of Tokiyami and Dark Shadow also being weak to fire. He did not back down a single moment. He mm. brought everything he had to that. Literally was like, I can't dodge everything, so I'm going to dodge just the little bits that I can, bide my time perfectly, and then still jump off of a ledge and hope that Dark Shadow is going to catch me and have that trust in the power. Like, very early on, it felt like he was fully in control, and now 
that we've seen him lose control, it seems to now they're back to an understanding and having Dark Shadow actually be its own character. Mm -hmm. It felt like throughout Mm -hmm. this fight was really interesting. And I love to see this growth out of the character as well as just pure raw. They're getting more powerful. How are they going to combat these more powerful enemies? As well as the, you know, overarching conversation we've had dozens of times when it comes to something uh, like Attack on Titan. Who is the bad guy and who is the good guy? It's all a matter of perspective. Now that Mm -hmm. Hawks has killed someone, you know, twice really was just trying to help his friends. Does that make Hawks the bad guy? You know, he came in here and did something that despicable. It's going to have a ripple effect of some kind. And I'm really curious to see what it is and if hawks turns himself in or if endeavor says you know you did the right thing like how this actually trickles down is going to be really really interesting when it comes to the end of this yeah there's definitely going to be some sort of like court hearing just about everything that went down i mean i'm sure it'll be justified with the with the range of the scenario and you were talking about the relationship between tokoyami and dark shadow it is fascinating that it is two characters who are allies that have really good communication more than somebody just controlling his powers. Mm. Yeah. I, th- I think he's pretty unique in that regard as, as far as like his quirk originating like a, a separate entity in a way as, as mm-hmm. much as they are connected. I can't think of anybody else that has uh, a power quite like that. So yeah, definitely, definitely cool to explore. Yeah. I also consistently forget that he's not a bird. Like every time that he takes the cloak off to fight with Dark Shadow and he has human arms, I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, he's just a person with a bird head. That like in my head, he's a raven wearing a cloak all the time until those moments we get in the fight. And I don't know, it's weird that it's not a weakness, but it still throws me off every single time. <laughs> I've often thought about that as well because like we know like their quirks manifest at some point during their childhood. So like before that, was he just a regular person? <laughs> and then like he just started to like sprout a beak and feathers one day and like had to totally adapt his life but uh you know because i can only imagine the trauma of like conceiving this child and just during birth just this oh we can see the beak the what (laughs) (laughs) i mean my headcanon is like mom is human dad is full bird and he like just has the head and then dark shadow is the quirk that came later Uh, but i'm now very curious to see because there has been mention of physical quirks being different just in the way that like Aizawa can't erase someone whose quirk is to be like, he couldn't erase uh, Orca and make him a human again. Like he's still yeah. gang Orca all the time. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, there has to be some difference. I don't know if they're ever going to go into it, but there, there's something there. Okay. I sent you guys pictures of a uh, kind of like fan art of what he would look like oh, as a human. No. And it's it's very oh. consistent. I love the way it looks. Okay. Yeah. He looks like Aizawa in these human pictures a little bit, like the high oh, school cool. Aizawa. Yeah, kind of. Uh, well, yeah. don't worry, uh, listeners. If you're curious what we're looking at, uh, when this episode goes up, we're going to post these on our Instagram story, Animation Deliberation on Instagram, and you'll be able to see them there. Cool, cool. All right, so I shared my emotional trauma with how this hospital scene went down. How did you guys feel watching all that? I haven't felt this way since the Thanos snap. Like, that's the parallel that I can make to this, is it felt like seeing the snap, 
watching everything go wrong and screen fading to black. Like, that's exactly how it went to see all of this destruction just literally be unstoppable. Like, I almost thought we were going to have a moment that Deku would stop the destruction mm. and no, not even uh, all for one. Did I get that right? Does he have all for one? This is going to get he has one for all. Yes. Yes. Remember, the villain is selfish. The villain is selfish. So it's all for one. Yeah. And helpful is one for all. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought one for all might be able to stop, you know, the all for one stretching power, but Mm. it didn't. And that was the moment of like, oh, no, this is happening. And this is possibly the scariest thing. I don't know what's going to happen from this point on. So, yeah, it was just I couldn't breathe. It was just silent, holding my breath, waiting to see what came next. Yeah, I would relate my emotional state during that whole proceeding to, I, I can't think of the character's name, but it's uh, one of Endeavor's sidekicks, the one with the green flaming hair, where she just has that moment of desperation where she's like, Endeavor, answer me. Uh, even if it's not Endeavor, like somebody answer me, somebody tell me what's going on. Like, I, that's how I felt. I was like, I need answers. I need to know that these people are safe or not. And Mo Kamiji. Mo Kamiji. Okay, I probably won't remember. first name. Okay, well, Mo is easier. I can yeah. remember Mo. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, just, you know, uh, really, really fearing for every single character that was in that, that state of, of absolute danger and really feeling how dangerous that was. And I feel kind of bad in retrospect for giving Crust crap because he, he made that sacrifice for Eraserhead. Yeah. Uh, was he makes the shield me, one? Yeah, he created okay. the he generated like the hexagonal shields. Um, he was like the one for sure that we kind of saw. You know, he gave the thumbs up and faded away into ash. But uh, that was the tearjerker moment for me. Yeah, like seeing yeah. the All Might smile. I was like, no, he gave it up. Yeah, That's I didn't feel what heroes do. Yeah, I didn't feel quite as bad for Exless because, like, we talked about it last week. That yeah. was kind of a given. I still felt bad for him, but. Uh, seeing that his cape got kind of like co-opted by Shigaraki. I had seen Shigaraki mm-hmm. like wearing this cape and like, you know, the the credits and stuff like that. So to know that he's kind of like his memory is being almost like bastardized in a way, for lack of a better term, yeah. like that makes it hurt a little bit more. Yeah, because it's, you know, again, about the, the villain stereotypes, it's not, ha, I'm a villain, so I'm going to wear this red cloak and destroy everybody. It's like, I'm really cold because I just came out of this wet tube for a few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah, comforting cape. Which is incredible that he decayed, like, the rest of his body and clothes and everything, but managed to spare the cape. Mm-hmm. Uh, very impressive control, I must say. <laughs> but that's mm-hmm. exactly what I was going to say, is how rude that is. The fact that he has no regard for the human life and just completely decays that but says maybe i'll keep the cape around as opposed to wounding him so that he can't fight no he's just going to kill him entirely like that's Mm. so yeah that's just speaks to his malevolence that he only cared about himself in that moment you know since we're making marvel references to infinity war um what you were the sentiment that you were sharing regarding mo chattering over the radio reminds me of the beginning of infinity war when you hear the asgardians like we're under attack we need oh, yeah. anybody that can come in like yeah oh boy fun and, facts that was kenneth branagh who did the the first fourth first thor film little voice that? cameo by him uh, he's a director he does oh, cool. uh 
he did like you know death on the orient express he was the bad guy in tenet he's a he's a pretty well-known actor and director but uh nice. yeah yeah that's yeah. a that's a really cool way to bring him back um but yeah we got to see our class 1a heroes in action and it like man do they impress me mm-hmm. like we've seen them in villain situations plenty of times but the fact that like they acted like that when it came to don't panic don't panic okay everybody run now and put zero gravity on this bus and start blasting away with this cranky old la- oh no she was a happy old lady in his teeth though <laughs> that was the best part he put the kid's shirt in his teeth and was holding yeah, him i am just so fascinated with that these characters great. they are incredible they are talented they're putting their powers to full use deku going up to 45 percent to trying to kick that thing down and just stepping into action like oh man my heart rate is going up again just like thinking about this episode like they are just so impressive but i am simultaneously so terrified for everybody yeah not to take away from the intensity of that moment and how great it was to see you know class one i really step up and show their growth there um but it did you mentioning the 45 percent reminds me of something that i've thought about like a few times but this is the most recent opportunity i've had to think about it like the power is called full cowling but he's not using it to its full potential. So I was just like, you call it like half cowling, like two thirds cowling. I, I will headcanon to the fact that he's using his whole body and not percentage okay. of power. Okay. <laughs> because enough. he was focused on his finger and then just his arms for a while. So full cowling, yeah. it's like literally from the tip of his hair to his toes. Okay. All for one is being spread throughout his body. Okay. And I know all might has used like United States of smash and, and, power moves like that but was this the first time we've seen uh deku use saint louis like that kind of stood out to me i was like that sounds new earlier he said it because he was just trying to rebrand um and i think there was like a moment with all might where he was like hey did you see like i added a different city to honor you and this and then i think it was saint louis for that one i think that was like season one or two okay yeah because i want to say like all of class 1a was like hey that's kind of close to all might's thing isn't it that's right and he was just like oh i'm honoring him i have nothing to do with him no (laughs) don't look over here that was when he was still trying to figure things out i think for sure so detroit is the single punch st louis is the kick oklahoma is like the cross arm okay uh united states is just fuck you you're dead um there was also like a Connecticut or something in there. There was like a random one that I was like, where did this go? Something in New England. Okay. It was either that or New Hampshire. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember what that one was. But yeah, I mean, on top of those powers, though, I was kind of surprised how adept he was with Black Whip as well. Like he just oh, yeah. pulled that right out and was like, OK, here we go. We're doing this. We're like, going. No questions. But yeah, yeah, because was... there was a three month time period that they were training with endeavor at the time that we were watching villain academy Mm. yeah and speak of time periods there was also like a little flashback um or when he had the flashback to the first time that he talked to the original uh one for all yeah there there was that moment where he was like talking to all might and i didn't realize quite how much they've aged up these characters until we had that perfect flash of young deku from three seasons ago to deku now there is a very stark difference in how mature they've made him look Mm -hmm. and it definitely then just showed in all of their powers not just black whip but also like you know gravity using her tether to pick up other people 
and to see the way that they were all using both their skills, their quirks, their costumes, everything coming together. It's really just, again, showing that growth continuously that we've seen out of all of them. And I, I, I love where it's going. I think of uh, Jay Scotty's favorite thing with Ida, just moving his arm as he yeah, was that... talking to people about how he needed to move. Yeah, that, that was great. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And I forgot about my other favorite thing as we're talking about side characters. The fact that they got the cats out of there, like all of the oh, animals, yeah. you got to come with oh, us. Yeah. We're evacuating everyone. I was like, I didn't need this note, but I love that it's here. It's like, way to go, Coda. <laughs> it, was, it was like, you're telling all these people, hey, we need to move. It's going to become a battle zone soon. And these people are leaving their homes. They're worried about their possessions. They don't know what's going to be happening next. So to be in that situation where they're being told to remain calm and there's an army of kittens just happily walking over, it's wonderful. Yeah, and that brings another thing to mind to me. It is nice to get to spend that time with actual um, you know, civilians and as hilarious as that moment was with Bakugo and the old woman offering him a chocolate bun. Like it's, um, it's, if you want the chocolate to take it yourself. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And Um, then he took it though. He still took it himself. (laughs) Yeah. It it does make me think about the beginning of the episode, because if I had any complaint about this episode, it's something that you've talked about with other animes you hear, but like the number of flashbacks. And I did feel like this episode was a little flashback heavy, but um, I'm thinking like in the opening of the episode where we, you know, we, we saw what was happening with Mirko, Mirko again. Um, but it showed things from like a slightly different perspective where we had like this headquarters where these, these uh, people that were helping, you know, coordinate the attack with the heroes, they were talking about the Nomus and they were like, uh, well, remember if these, if these new high ends are anything like the one that uh, we encountered a few months back, it took the two top level heroes to take that one out and they almost didn't. So if there are multiple mm-hmm. ones of those, like, what are we going to do? So, you know, just to have like those humans versus like the actual civilians that aren't used to being around heroes and how they're kind of in awe of them was nice for me. Uh, but, you know, talking about the different perspectives there, did we, I'm, tr- I was trying to remember, we saw in this episode for sure, X less was the one that destroyed that machine that initially, mm-hmm. that eventually created the shock that woke Shigaraki up. Did we see that in the last episode? Cause I remember Andrew, you had some, qualms about how that all went down i don't think we did because i specifically thought to myself oh the electricity from him blowing that up must have been the electricity that uh, shocked the water and suddenly my qualms were gone i was like oh it's a cause and effect situation so unless i'm misremembering or just wasn't paying close enough attention i don't believe it was there the first time because i also took note of it in the start of this episode okay i thought so just wanted to confirm thought i remembered seeing him blow something up at the end of last one i know he questioned the machine maybe they just yeah maybe that was it i think they just put it into more detail in this episode okay that makes sense because i don't remember seeing the thing like sitting next to the water either oh yeah the cable Yeah, yeah the exposed cable yeah yeah i think we just like saw the shock and he woke up because yeah, I think there at that was point like, they like were things focusing. destructing, like one spark went in and hit it or something like that. Uh, and it just didn't take much. And it was just artistic and this and that. But, you know, if that's the case, if this was more detailed than the last one was and good for them, because it's the end of the episode last week. We just need emotional engagement where for this one, it is the, the technicalities of how it is. Because, again, we know that these writers are genius. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, honestly, it wasn't until you just brought up the Nomus, though, Jay Scotty. I hadn't thought about the ramp that this season is now on. The Nomus are dead. Shigaraki decayed them in the process of decaying everything else. So suddenly what was such a problem for us to fight before is now literally no longer a threat because we have bigger fish to fry. And that's terrifying to think about how many heroes we almost lost already. Yeah, Yeah. and the Doctor has put so much emphasis on how long it takes us to make a normal Nomu and then how long it takes to make an actual Nomu when they have all for one and how important that facility was because all their stuff was over there to do the research and make the stuff and they don't have anything like that so we may unless they have like another supply hiding i don't think we're going to see nomus for a while unless all for one gets out and he starts speeding up that process again since the doctor's still around yeah and at the mention of the doctor he's been such on such an emotional roller coaster here lately like mourning his nomus that go away and uh you know to bemoaning the fact that his life's work is is over but then when he's being carried away and sees the you know the ramifications of shigaraki's decay and then he just like turns right back around it's like oh we've got this in the bag there's nothing you can do to stop us so smug so i need to ask because i feel like this is kind of an alignment chart test here because I was watching it with Monica, and she kept yelling at uh, present Mike, just drop him, just drop him, as they're like trying to get away <laughs> as quickly as possible and everything's decaying. Like, I had to be like, I don't know, what would I do in that moment? If I'm the hero, am I supposed to save him? Like, he is another person, but also if he's risking us not getting away, because like the Nomu grabbed the doctor, just let go of the doctor. Like, let the Nomu mm-hmm. take him and let him decay. Like, I don't know. What do you think? Should President Mike have dropped him or did he do the right thing, especially with how disgusted he was? I was kind of surprised he wasn't just like, all right, this is it. Oh, I would not have been mad at President Mike if he dropped him at all. And I would totally understand that. And I think it could provide some, you know, uh, pretty good, pretty good places to take that character. But, you know, that's that's ultimately what distinguishes, you know, heroes from villains or even like anti-heroes is that you know, justices, you know, um, can be subjective, I guess, for people, depending on your definition. But I think in like the altruistic view of a, a hero, even villains should be forced to stand trial. Like that's the thing yeah. with Batman. Like he was always known for not killing even his worse enemy and sometimes that created even more enemies for him for not taking the necessary necessary action to you know finally putting into to the chaos and destruction but that's where i'm coming from those stories would have ended so much quicker if batman actually killed too right um <laughs> <laughs> so many reboots and there's also the fact that's like for some people like death is too easy of a punishment that too mm-hmm. and the way that they feel about the doctor like they want him to talk. They need to know what other resources and assets and caches and stuff that they have around Japan that they could be using against them. So, he I mean, might... it makes sense to keep somebody alive, but if it's like present Mike or him, then yeah, drop him. <laughs> <laughs> I did just now think about, he might actually be trying to see if the doctor can change Kurogi back though. Oh yeah. Now that fair. I just remembered the conversation that they, you know, recapped at the beginning of this episode of Aizawa saying, if you go, I'll go. They may have even said, we're going with the goal of trying to save our friend, not just save, you know, all these other people. Like, they have 
another goal going on in the background that now that I think about that, that might be the big reason he was like, now we, we need this guy, man. You could get somebody like Shinzo to just talk to him and be like, revert him. And then he's just Ooh. forced to do it. That'd be sick. There you go. There you go. I like where your head's at. Well, um, it feels like we're, we're winding down a little bit. I'll certainly, you know, give you guys the space to say any of your final thoughts, but I just want to say in the spirit of, you know, kind of calling things last week with Tokiami's uh, weakness to fire with mm-hmm. Dark Shadow. My Nailed next, it. my next prediction is we had Mount Lady kind of in the background of things now, and we kind of ended this episode with Gigantomachia, uh, for all intents and purposes, being summoned. If there's not a Mount Lady Gigantomachia showdown, I will be surprised. Even if it is something as simple as like her using her hand to like try to crush him. I'm almost referenced a movie that we just recently saw, but yeah, (laughs) Um, something of that sort of like some level of engagement between them. I agree, but I was laughing earlier because I remembered that scene of Fatka going bottom (laughs) as she was like collapsing onto him. I was really wondering like where Todoroki came from in that scene when the ice pillars just came up and it's like, Oh, we got a villain that does that too, which his, him doing that really saved Tokiami, but like, Mm-hmm. This, this isn't going to plan anymore. It's not structured anymore. You're going to need to bring those kids in from the rear. The ones who are doing evacuation are in the front now. This is absolute chaos. You know, the last thing that I wanted to bring up is we were talking about talking to like the first wielder of one for all. And it really gives me avatar vibes. And it's mm-hmm. it's just great. Is this uh, my heart can't handle it. You know, I always talk about how. If we weren't doing this podcast, I'd probably read the manga. But the way that this episode hit me is the reason why I stick to the anime. Because to see it in that detail with those voices, with the absolute chaos and the tension, like that's why I try to stick with my initial reaction being from the anime over the manga as much as I possibly can. Yeah, I I completely agree. And there's just something about the way that they animate it all out, because I am I assume most of these scenes come directly from the manga and they figure out how they're going to animate it onto the screen. And really, the only other thing I want to bring up, because Jay Scotty reminded me when he said Mount Lady, I think it was my favorite scene of the episode. And it's been my favorite just drawn out scenes in a while was the monologue with Dobby and uh, Hawks and uh dark shadow all of them there in the foreground while mount lady was busting through the wall in the background and like that subtle reminder that there is a war going on behind them and they're just having Mm -hmm. this casual conversation on the top floor it was powerful it was beautiful and it was just the perfect subtle way that if you didn't think about it you wouldn't have like acknowledged what was going on but it is just in the back of your mind hey there's stuff literally bigger going on besides just these three people doing one thing but because they're our main characters we feel so attached to them we're gonna see more characters just going on in the background hopefully surviving but possibly not yeah yeah i I appreciate that bigger things literally happening that's a good catch there (laughs) great that's great visual language right there yeah yeah, I'm good. All right. Well, this was another fun one. Um, again, we recorded this one early on in the week in order to clear up our schedules for some Tales of the Jedi coverage later this week, um, as well as, you know, just being kind of hot off the press in terms of just watching these episodes yesterday. So, uh, again, it's always great to incorporate you, the listeners, feedback. So, Animation Deliberation Podcast at Gmail is the best place to do that. 
let us know how this episode had you on the edge of your seat, was tugging at your heartstrings or played with your emotions otherwise. And um, also, if you're watching Tales of the Jedi or anything else, uh, please let us know about that. Uh, gentlemen, what do you have going on elsewhere? Nothing exciting for me. Uh, okay. I think I'm hopping on to 323 with Reed Murphy this week. Um, aside from that, just excited to talk to you about Tales of the Jedi, so send in your feedback. Cool. Yeah, uh, just hanging on to that, it will be Thursday, November... 3rd? 3rd, yep. Thursday, November 3rd will be when we're actually recording that Tales of the Jedi. So, yeah, if you're just trying to get anything that we would talk about on the air uh, before then, just that's our date, uh, feel free to send anything in. Um, Like they've already mentioned and like we've kind of talked about, there's plenty of ways to give us feedback, and one of the great ones is our social media. You can find us on Twitter at AnimationDelib1 and animation <laughs> and Instagram and Facebook Animation Deliberation Podcast on both of those. And yeah, that's uh, all that I have going on outside right now. I really need to get better at that plug. I listen to Haley Hobbs on Source Pages, and it sounds like it's recorded every time she drops her social medias, and she does it just ad-libbed. It's the same thing every time. I'm like, I need to, I need to work on this. You'll get there. I, I have faith in you. You're doing a, a stellar <laughs> job thus far. It's a tough, tough act to follow. Haley Hobbs has her shit together. So she does. Uh, okay. That's no understatement. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks as always for tuning in. That's T double O N I N. B plus Ultra. And as always, stay whelmed. And just remember love can make you fly. Muscle, muscle. Nice. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Animation Deliberation Podcast, a proud member of the Stranded Panda Network. If you would like to contact us, you can email animationdeliberationpodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at animationdelib1. For this and other great shows, you can visit strandedpanda.com or join the great community that is the Stranded Panda Chat Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash svchat. Tune in next time, and remember, stay whelmed. In business, you rarely hear the expression, for life. You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and, and there's, a, there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken 180 Weight Loss. Allow me to explain. You know, a year ago, I started with Awaken 180 Weight Loss and had incredible success losing weight. But you can lose all the weight in the world and not keep it off. And what good is it? That's why I have support for life from Awaken 180. Yeah. I mean, I go back for check-ins and make sure everything's going smoothly. But if I ever had a problem, the counselors are there to get me back on track. Why don't you do what I did and call for a consultation? 844-346-1800. 844-346-1800. Or go to Awaken180WeightLoss.com. It's Angela Yee, and I'm telling you right now that the Alive Podcast Network app is the best directory of podcasts created for us by us. From relationships to making money moves, there's a show that'll captivate every listener. And for my fellow Black creatives, this is a call to action to take your brand and monetization to the next level. It's for the culture. Join the movement and sign up today. Sign up today to get a six-month subscription for $20. Visit AlivePodcastNetwork.com, coming soon to iOS and Android.